When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to 43 Feet, a podcast about leadership. We believe that real leading happens out front, but that usually means you're probably building the next 43 feet of good road for those behind you while you're running the race yourself. My name is Frank Schwartz, known in the gloom of the early morning as Dark Helmet to my F3 brothers. Make way for Dark Helmet. All rise in the presence of Dark Helmet. Every week, I'll be talking with leaders in and out of F3, including regular appearances for my shared leadership team. If I'm going to do this... I'll need my news team at my side. News team, assemble! We're here for candid conversations, to answer questions from around F3 Nation, to pontificate wildly, teach leadership, and otherwise attempt to help you navigate the next 43 feet. And we're back. That dulcet tone in my ear as we get going. Recording in progress. She lets us know that once again, we have joined and assembled ourselves together, six of the faithful, uh, to participate in a time-honored tradition here in F3 Nation. Something that uh, brings us great joy and teaches us great lessons. That's right, friends. I'm Dark Helmet, and you are listening to the 43 Feet Podcast, and I am joined this week by some of the finest men I've ever had the privilege to know and some other men. Just kidding. No. <laughs> First up, I'll introduce my man, my man, the head of communications for the F3 nation. His name is Brian Jodas and he's handsome as all get out and he's ready for the Thanksgiving holiday, but we call him hello kitty uh, when we see him early in the morning. What's up, my brother? I know what, I know what list I'm on. I'll just leave it right there. Got that right. Mm-hmm. There's, good to there see you. No question. Good to mind. see you. Good to hear your voice. Good to, Let's do this good to be seen. <laughs> and under him in my Brady Bunch-like configuration of heads uh, on this here podcast Zoom recordation device is uh, none other than Mike Sluhan, who is the head of expansion for F3 Nation. He hails from the St. Louis area and he calls himself, and the reason he calls himself that is because that's what he was named, Beans. What's up, my man? What's up, Dark Helmet? How's it going, man? It's uh, always a pleasure to be here. And uh, I'm not even going to try to guess either. I'm just going to stay quiet on that topic. I think you know. <laughs> if you know, I, you know. Right? It's right. If you know, you know. <laughs> Directly below him uh, is the ever spicy uh, Mr. Seth Brown, who is the head of leadership development for F3 Nation. He's 47 years old, but he doesn't look a day over 55. And we call him Bono. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like uh, 55, maybe 56. Um, tell you, I was in Pinehurst this week or last week. It was pretty uh-huh. cool getting down and working out with those guys. There's this cat named Bino who was in the same branch of the military as Dread, and he came dressed looking like a complete bum with this Walmart zip-up hoodie, these baggy sweatpants. And I'm thinking, why in the world is everybody scared of Bino? He looks like a complete goofball. He starts counting cadence. I'm like, Oh yeah, 
He's a special operator. He's going to kick our butt. And we do 82 flutter kicks, right, in like sets of 50 T-Merkins. And I'm thinking a gobbler, like, oh, that's what a T-Merkin is, gobbler, right? And we're sitting here, and he just blows us out of the water. It's like one of the best things in the world. So I, I needed my Beano this weekend, sir, this week. Man, sounds brutal. It sounds was Sounds brutal. It was, but- we had a lot of fun brutal brutality is is uh is kind of our love language around here uh and you heard uh mr bono reference him and so i'll just go immediately to his right in this little configuration because he mentioned the weasel shaker of f3 nation eric the gob monster the gob daddy the the king of the gobbler challenge which by the way when is enough going to be enough on that Good heavens. What are you going to be on 75 more podcasts, you know, patting yourself on the back for this little patch you got going? What, what is your deal, bro? So <laughs> uh, there's never, you can never be too much. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I would, uh, I would say always in plus one, you know, to get on one more podcast to talk about it. You know, that's the way it's got to be. Mm. But no, I will say a special shout out to uh, my M who finally helped me get the video up because uh, we had some technical difficulties last night getting the video up. But that is up. So everyone can go, you know, watch the video and and see what the see the the exercises now. So um, got that's it. Up. OK, so you, yep. you had some technical difficulty and your M helped you get it up. Got it. Noted. Noted. Moving forward. Gonna stay, gonna stay on mute. Gonna go ahead and keep myself on mute. <laughs> Pax, again, sometimes I wish this was a video podcast because you should have seen Kello Kitty. I mean, literally almost coming out of his skin waiting to say something on that one. <laughs> Delightful. Another man who thought it amusing because I saw him laughing is the head of sectors for F3 Nation. He is 57 years old, but he still looks younger than Bono. It's Steve Schaefer, but we call him GMO, GMO, but genetically is modified darkest. old man. There you go. Going to be older in about two weeks here. So 58 coming up. Is that right? Yeah, dude, it's great to see you. This is, I was just thinking, it's the third time in four days that I've seen you. It is an absolute in person, man. It was awesome. I know. I'm pretty stoked. Uh, so PAX uh, GMO came and visited. Um, we had a, a an in-person every once in a while. I guess once a year we're trying to do this, have an in-person board meeting. Uh, and we can maybe talk just briefly about that for a second now when we really get kicked off here. But uh, in-person board meeting. And so uh, that's not the SLT meeting. That's going to be after the first of the year. But this was a board meeting uh, of the F3 board and, and uh GMO and I both uh, attend those as part of the the management and leadership team uh, of the nation um, and as officers of the corporate entity that is F3 Nation. So he got to come down and visit with us and work out at uh, the OG, the O-G-A-O-A-G, if that's not enough. AG Middle uh, School, yeah. AG Middle, that's right. If that's not enough um, uh, acronyms for you, we can we can try and dial up some more later. Uh, but yes, it was delightful to see you in person, my friend, and and uh, and hang out for uh, some meals and a workout and a cafeteria and a board meeting and all kinds of other foolishness. So good stuff. good stuff, good stuff. And then last, but most definitely not least, the king of the Claymore, the the the, <laughs> uh, the guitar playing, uh, beard having, busted back looking, oh Gambino buddy, bada bing. Out of the the uh, Jack's Beach area, the head of technology for F3 Nation. H- how you feeling, man? How you doing? 
Yeah, I'm doing all right. You know, I've been going through it a little bit with the busted back syndrome, uh, but it's better than having tiny heart syndrome, as uh, Gobbler would say, right? Uh, I'm going to have to heavily modify the Gobbler challenge this week, but I'm on the mend and um, I'm feeling good about it. So good. Bada Bing is going to do the Gobbler challenge in a reclined, uh, like a recumbent uh sort of position or something. in an inversion chair yes, yes that's it <laughs> the cinder block upside he down. is amazing i've never seen anybody press so quickly from upside exactly down. exactly yeah. love it so but i've been in the pool swimming a little bit getting rehab i'm still getting after it and i will tell you if you're on the ir stay connected with your packs show up for cot do a few other things go for a walk you know what i bet you there's more than one guy on the ir that you could encourage to uh get in some low impact um uh, yeah. fitness with so no for sure some high impact low impact um and i promise you you'll get more out of the fellowship and faith and uh you'll be better for it your uh your predecessor uh the og carmen san diego not to be confused with the board member carmen san diego but uh he um he told me one time that a guy who was on ir used to uh i want to say he cooked bacon every morning like he, he would go to certain AOs and just travel around and just cook bacon for the guys. Like that, that dude is my strong. hero. Yeah. That's pretty strong. I, I did bring uh bacon to a workout a couple of years ago when back when dread was using the, be the bacon term. Ah. And uh, I tell you what, man, the guys appreciated it. Excellent. They got after it for the bacon. Excellent. I love that. Well, gentlemen, we, we find ourselves assembled here, the faithful, um, and, uh, and we a- approach uh, the holidays. Um, we got a lot of things that are kind of brewing and, and happening uh, in the nation. Um, and, uh, and as always, we try and find some things that make sense for us to talk about uh, here on this podcast, things that are relevant to you as a leader and that are relevant to you uh, in your leadership, whether that be in F3 Nation or whether that be uh, back at home. So, one of the questions that, that really, uh, and Beans, I think you, you were kind of the impetus. You were the one that brought this up, if I'm not mistaken. Like uh, One of the things that's tough to know sometimes is when do you trust a leader? How do you know when to trust a leader? And, and you mentioned a specific example, and I wonder if you want to just talk to that just for a, a quick second to kind of set the table for us. Yeah, the, the example that I mentioned in our uh, text exchange was, the whole uh, issue what's going on with crypto now and people just losing billions of dollars because they took an element of trust in investing in something that they believed in um, and where that trust came from. Maybe it was greed. Maybe it was, you know, the hope for something better. Um, but there was a leader who was promoting something and people believed in it and it backfired on them. And unfortunately, um, those people now have a scar that they have to deal with moving forward. And the next leader that uh, appears in their life, they might be a little bit tainted and a little bit hesitant. And so it's just rolling through my mind is how, how do you know when to trust somebody? Because I'm sure all of those people that went into it, went into it with a level of trust that uh, Did looks they different know? now. Did they? Because here's what I, I mean. Now, maybe in, in Bada Bing being the you know the the uh, crypto magnate uh, amongst the, the, <laughs> the crowd here. First of all, never trust anyone. Second of all, <laughs> what happened to trust for... but verify? What happened to that? 
Well, we'll get to that. But okay. be, be in the crypto for the technology, people, not for the gains. Come on. It's for the tech behind it. It's the yeah, blockchain. Okay. Yeah, okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, you know, I don't know if this is the truth or not, but my perception is on some of those things, people are willing to forego a lot of mechanism uh, that they would normally employ, uh, to, you know, to determine whether they should trust a man or trust a person or not, uh, because they see that, that, that dangling carrot and they think, oh, I'm going to cash in big. And so anytime that they see super advantage to themselves, I think oftentimes they may be willing to forego or to, to bypass, you know, certain criteria that they may have put in place before. Right. So if I see a way for me personally to have great advantage uh, in a situation, maybe I'm, you know, I'm willing to say, oh, yeah, I know he seems like a good guy because my eyes get a little starry. Uh, and uh, and I, I think that, you know, I'm going to I'm going to win big. What do you think? I think what you were. We're all predisposed to do something if we see a benefit for us. I think that's that's neither it has nothing to do with trust. It has to do with a value proposition that we look at and say, okay, I'm willing to do this because I get something from it. Um, now, trust, I think, and especially when we're talking looking at trust in a leader, while related, because obviously we're gonna we're gonna decide whether or not we put a trust in, in our leader, it's gonna be influenced if we do get something out of it. Um, that can kind of relates to persuasion, but uh, if you want to link the two, you could say that you need more trust in your leader if there is less in it for you in order to start movement. Um, and so that also works and can be taken advantage of by a leader because a leader can sell you on something by promising you something that may or may not be there. And so we all need to, uh, you, we all need to be aware of people who are asking you to do something when there's a benefit for them, because then there is always a um, a bias of that person to, I'm not gonna say lie, but upsell the positive the positive sure. side for yourself. And, and so this is a matter of, uh, you know, who do you trust? You trust people who are trustworthy. You trust people who have demonstrated that worthiness to be trusted because they have so, acted in the past. Yeah. I would say that brings up a good question, which is GMO. How do you know? Well, you had something else you want to say too, but then I was going to ask you the question of trustworthiness. How do you determine that? How do you, how do you judge whether a man is trustworthy? Yeah. For me, a lot of times the little things matter <clears throat> for me. Um, I always use this term say do ratio. What's his say do ratio, what he says he's going to do. He actually does. Therefore, he'd have a high say-do ratio. And if he talks a big game but can't make the first play, uh, if he talks a big game about what the mission is, like let's say he says the credo is leave no man behind, and he's not the guy that's telling other guys to pick up the six. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's uh, important that uh, that man is you know, leading with – virtue and his own personal accountability. Um, I think uh, in free to lead dread references, you know, the sergeant or the, you know, the man in charge has got his rifle ready at the, at the will, and he can do everything that he's asking his men to do. Um, yeah. And he, and he practices it even when he's not being watched to make right. sure that he's, he's honed up on those skills. Kitty, I'm going to come to you in just a second, but 
Um, I really like that Sadie ratio. And I, and I would just kind of throw out there, you, you kind of experienced all of that this weekend, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I, and I was coming, coming out of a cold. Without throwing anybody under the bus in particular. No, I won't throw anybody under the bus. But, you know, I was the guy that was the sixth this weekend at, at yeah. uh, AO that we worked out at. And these guys are some OGs. These guys are some, you know, guys that have a lot of spotlight on them for being the original place that uh, F3 started. And uh, I was the six. And uh, one of the guys who was not even from there, um, flight nurse, was the guy that started to come back to pick me up. And, and the leader said, hey, we're not going there. We're going this way. Just we're going to wait here. And he turned around and he looked at me and said, I'm picking up the six. And everybody kind of silenced. <laughs> he came and got me and I got up to the group. Um, and it was kind of like that, the, the whole workout, just kind of recovering from the flu and a cold and not being able to breathe. But, um, you know, at the end, I, I'm a, a, a kid that was uh, taught to little boys that are seen and not heard. And, and you know, for me personally, it was a, a big step for me to kind of say, hey, my announcement is you guys, you know, our credo is pick up the six and you guys didn't pick up the six very well today. And doing that in the morning is a, a great way for you to remember to pick up the six of your family and the people in your community. But you never know that man that's being left behind. If, if that gesture of coming back to get him gets him through that next day. Our typical culture down where we are in Fort Mill is the, the site queue uh, is is typically one who mm-hmm. would who would do that and kind of be tasked with that. Mm-hmm. And the queue themselves oftentimes is tasked with that. And so they would notice that someone's back there and they would either send folks or they would plank or, you know, whatever it is to make sure that we're not leaving folks behind. But, um, and so I'd love to blame it on those things. Uh, but the fact is, is it's every man's responsibility. Right. And, and I don't, I don't want to, again, overstate it or anything, but I, I would dare say that maybe a little bit of trust was, was chipped away at, um, because of, uh, of that, uh, and, and that kind of thing. And, and, and certainly if it was something that was a persistent problem, sure, you know, like maybe, maybe you give them one, but yeah, I don't know. Kitty, what were you going to say, buddy? Well, I think there's, you know, I'm thinking about sort of two avenues in which, you know, trust is kind of pursued or solidified one in which we're seeking to find trust in other people, right? We're looking for people to trust. And at the same time, we have to remember that people are looking to see if they can trust us. So as leaders, we're put in a position of, am I, am I surrounding myself with people that I can have a shared leadership team with and trust? Let me read this to you. The dilemma of the virtuous leader is to find how men upon whom he can rely on. He knows or he will quickly learn that going it alone is not tenable, but the risk of relying upon someone who is not trustworthy is high. So we've got to go out and, you know, you've got to put some sort of criteria in place around how can I find other people I can trust? I think it happens through proximity, right? Through seeing that person in action, through having conversations, right? Seeing it, right? Being able to see it. But I think the biggest challenge for us as leaders is while we're doing that, right? So like while you're forming a team, whether it's at, you know, Mammon, whether it's here in F3, you know, whether it's in your community, you're looking for trustworthy people. I think you got to remember too, like folks are looking in your direction as well. Uh, and so what are you doing to echo, you know, what you might be asking them from a trustworthy standpoint? So oh, for sure. About, right. You know, sort of the two, two, two pieces of it. Yeah. It, it kind of, uh, harkens back to that say do, uh, mm-hmm. ratio that, that, yeah, uh, I like that a lot. I like yeah. that a lot. 
Yeah. Bono? Yeah, and I don't, I don't oh, know sorry, if I heard that. Bada bing oh, first sorry. and then Bono. Sorry, I didn't go ahead, see Bono. A, yeah. no, go ahead. I, I don't know if this came from a book or Dread or wherever, but I think trust also has to have equal parts of um, character or strong integrity uh, and competence. Like they have to have the ability to be able to, you know, be trustworthy and to perform a task or whatever, or to lead you and to be someone who is worthy of trust. So I think we have to think about that when we're looking at who we're going to trust and if we are trustworthy in, in general. So I think it ties into what Kitty was saying uh, as we uh, look to others um, and and knowing that someone's always looking at us as well. Uh, and, and really in F3 is a cue, um, just to bring it down to that is really up to us to inspire that trust through, you know, strong leadership uh, and virtuous leadership. So, so on that point right there, it was sort of with GMOs say do and with bada beings competence, the definition I like with trust includes five elements or facets. So it includes benevolence, honesty, being open, reliable, and competent. So being reliable and competent is that say do I think being benevolent is you're not going to hurt me. I'm, I trust that you're not going to hurt me. I trust you're going to tell me the truth. And I trust you're going to be open and learn with me. Um, the first part of that definition is probably going to be one that really resonates with dread because it includes that vulnerability word. But it says this it says trust is one's willingness to be vulnerable to another based on the confidence that the other is benevolent, honest, open, reliable, and competent. So I think what Kitty just read a few minutes ago was from Dread in, in QSource. The dilemma of a virtuous leader is to find men whom he can rely on. So I think part of trust is I have to find men I rely on because I have to be vulnerable enough to rely on you because I can't do it on my own. And that's the one thing for me is I have to trust you to hold me accountable. I have to trust you to pick up the six. I have to trust you that you're going to take care of me if I'm getting depressed or if I'm drinking too much. So I think that's one of the key things for me is that I have to, I have to rely that I can't save the world by myself, but with a men, with a group of men, then I'm, I, I trust you guys to have these five elements. That's a key thing, I think. And Sure. And I will, I'll go ahead and, and uh, with love, I'll knock the vulnerable cup off the side of the table. Um, but just to say, you know, that doesn't mean it's hard because of the popular vernacular has, has, uh, it has probably watered down that word towards it's, it's almost useless anymore. But I think that the, the truth of the matter is that exactly what you're saying, Bono is, is the truth. And that is this, that a man must be willing to share and to be open and to be honest and so in our world, that would be candor, right? And so I think candor is, is more important than vulnerability because sometimes saying, hey, I can't do this myself or, hey, I'm too weak to handle it or, hey, I am having a, a real crap time and, and opening that, that kimono, you know, is a hard truth. You know, so we think a lot about the hard truth of, you know, me telling, you know, Bono, oh, you did this thing and I'm telling you this hard truth about yourself. Mm, sometimes that hard truth is the hard truth that I don't want to share about me. Right. And, and then having that, that trust to that I am safe, as you said, you know, that it's a benevolence thing that, that I am safe to share that with you and you won't make me vulnerable. You won't attack me. You won't, you know, cut me when I'm, when I'm down or when I'm open. Why, why have I, why do I have a block in my brain where I feel like I've only ever considered candor from me telling a man something about him? The way you just articulated it was a unique way of talking about it. And it's, and, and but if so, the important point to our conversation is if there's not trust in that relationship, then it candor falls flat, sure, right? Without yeah, trust, 100%. it's just it, it's yeah. not what it is. So, yeah, that's, that's yeah, no, I agree. Beans, uh, uh, go ahead, Beans. 
Yeah, I was just going to say that um, no matter what, just about in every situation, I can't really even think of one that you're still not taking a leap of faith when you extend that trust, because there's no guarantee that that trust will be returned. There's no guarantee, no matter what the consistency, no what the previous say-do ratio is, you're taking that leap of faith that that trust is what it is. And that's where you know, we all carry whatever baggage in our previous history, because we've all had experiences where trust maybe didn't go according to plan, and we carry that with us. And that's where I think it separates the people who can deal with that, figure out what it is about them that contributed that situation being what it was, and allowing something to learn from that in order to not have that fear of extending that trust in the future, because you could hold on to that trust forever and ever and ever. But eventually, you're going to have to find yourself in a situation where you let go of that trust. And whether it's the vulnerable word or whatever we want to use, um, you're going to put yourself in a situation that maybe you're uncomfortable with, but you're going to learn from it no matter what. I think, too, and and, uh, Dark, you've heard me say this before, but just my past and my failures, you know, I I have this quote I've, I've learned from Chris Stefanik is don't waste your pain. You know, leaders go first and, and they go first in vulnerability. So if I'm trying to influence or I think lead, you mean uh, candor, no, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. I'm just, I'm just... <laughs> you know, it's like, I got to share first. And if I just share just the littlest thing that's deeper than the weather or what you're doing or what you've accomplished, he's like, God, I thought I was the only one. Then he goes deeper. Right. So there's uh there's an aspect of, of even with vulnerability, leaders need to go first to make the first gesture to build trust so that the other man can be uh, unlocked. Um, The other thing I was going to say here too, is that I I see a lot of leaders honestly think leading is talking and telling, and there's just got to be a lot more listening and learning Uh, because once that happens, once you learn where another man is, you know exactly what he might need, what level of encouragement, what level of challenge, um, there's, I, I was thinking through QSource, just something around listening is a critical leadership uh, skill that when I see a, a man listening and asking just for a little bit more information, I know he cares. And I know he's listening because he's asking me another question and he's not in a hurry. He's not trying to be efficient with the conversation. He's really present with me. Uh, and that just means a lot for my ability then to say he cares about me and therefore I'm going to trust him and I'm going to let him lead me. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. And, and um, the, some of the distinctions that are kind of drawn up in my brain as you're talking about it, there's a difference between commanding, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and there's different ways you lead men versus the way you lead a man, mm. right? The way you lead men in certain kinds of situations may not require you to, you know, be deep on the share first and things like that. You know, it, it may require you to be more of that command type presence or whatever it might be. It depends on the task, right. That's, that's getting done. And even, even if it's not a really critical task or something that needs to get done, leading in that group uh, is going to be different, but leading. So leading men is different than leading a man. And, and right. what you're talking about, I think is leading a man. Right. And, and, and that's when a high, a much higher trust, uh, mm-hmm emotional trust for sure uh is going to be is going to be critical god did you have some yeah i would say sometimes it's easy to uh, overcomplicate the simple things 
And in this case, when we you talk don't about- say, yeah, it's really starts with, uh, you know, what GMO has said that, you know, basically following through on what you say, but even more basic. And what I see is mean what you say and say what you mean. And this is something that um, I work with, with my daughter all the time right now, because she uh, has some traits from another person in her life. And, you know, it's, we, it's very easy to get wrapped around just not speaking truthfully. Uh, we we want to shade things. We want to cover things that we don't. We And it goes back to candor. It's completely tied in with candor. Um, and I, I don't even remember what it was this week, uh, but my wife says, why are we doing this? And I said, because I said I was going to. And that was the only reason. I don't even remember what it was. You'd probably tell me. Uh, what was it? Getting, that's what it was. It was getting pizza for the guys after the workout on Thursday. It was completely stupid in a way. It was unneeded, but I said I w- it was going to be there. And so we did it, even though it wasn't me who was supposed to do it. Someone else was supposed to do it, but we followed through on it um, when someone else failed to do it. And if those things, if you just do what you say you're going to do, you mean what you say and say what you mean, and you don't try to cover for people you you just put it out there people are going to realize after and it doesn't take very long to realize that they can trust you they may not always like what you have to say they may not always come to you for comfort but at the end of the day they know that when they're talking to you they can trust the words coming out of your mouth and that is a foundation that you can build a relationship relationship on now some people may not like it and they will never come to you and that's fine sure. uh, those are people who don't you know they want to be lied to um, yeah, you no. probably will never have a relationship with those people anyways. I hear you on that. Go ahead, Bono. Yeah. I, I think as GMO was talking and it, it gets in a little bit with gobbler was, but GMO was talking about being able to care personally for folks and challenge them directly, which is radical candor, right? So making sure that you're able to do that. And I think though, as you were explaining men versus man, I think you can do that with men, with a group of men. I think as a leader, you have to be able to very clearly explain that I care for you. You do that by, you know, leaders eat last is what Simon Sinek, I think it says. And, and then you got another one where, you know, you lead from the front. Why? Because you lead from the front. Cause I'm not going to put you as a, as my men behind me in a situation. I'm not willing to take the risk myself. I show, I care for you. And then the other thing is challenged directly is making sure that we able to, to speak clearly and, and establish a standard and hold you to that standard and not let you get slack. So I think that's part of trust as well, because that creates some of the the competence, the reliability and those things of what Gobbler was talking about, reliability. If I say we're going to have pizza wherever it is, then I'm going to do that. And I'm going to make sure I do that. And it gets done, even if it's not my deal, I'm going to make sure it's done one way or the other. So I think that whole idea of, of care personally and challenge directly is is a key aspect as well of, of creating trust and candor. Awesome, Bottom. I was just sitting here thinking as I'm listening to all you guys and I couldn't help, but have rolled through my head. Have there been times in my life where someone's extended trust to me and I, I, I fell, I, I violated that trust in some way, shape or form in any scale or capacity. And of course the answer is yes. I mean, I'm, I'm sure we all have. And then I was just sitting and reflecting on, well, what, what was the difference between those relationships that maybe aren't as strong as they uh, were before and the ones that might even be stronger than they were before that trust was violated. And the difference is ownership, taking ownership 
of whenever that violation occurs and saying, yeah, I messed up. I did it. Not trying to point fingers or make excuses or blame somebody else or blame something else for what happened to cause that. Take that responsibility, put it on your shoulders and try to rebuild that relationship. And I, and I, in reflecting, I think every time that that's happened, that relationship's gotten stronger um, rather than trying to, you know, point the finger and blame somebody else. Yeah. I think um, I totally agree with that. You, shot to my heart when you said that because there's a reflection kind of being 30 years married there are times my safety ratio at home isn't quite as strong as it might be at work or <laughs> or uh in the you're the only one that's ever happened to gmo no, i don't I know, know what you're talking about but it's interesting you know is it's like the beauty of f3 and q source and and uh concentric conversations and a shield lock it just it just has been a game changer for me to have men around me that are holding me accountable, which is something I also heard kind of bringing that up is that you got to trust a leader who has got, you know, that they have people around them that are going to hold them accountable and is going to expose blind spots and um, make sure he doesn't get derailed. Um, that's, an, that's another aspect. It's not just the man, but it's the, it's, it's who he is surrounding himself with. You know, I've seen the, the quote, um, you're the average of your five best friends and you are the company you keep. Right. So I don't know, there's just another level of noticing who that man is surrounding mm-hmm. himself with. that adds another level of trust. In fact, uh, GMO and, and then Kitty hop in here, but uh, I've heard it. It's not just your five best friends. I've heard you're the average of the five people you hang around the most. Mm. So whether whether they're friends or not, whether you like them or not, whether they're good examples or bad examples, whoever you're hanging around the most, that's mm-hmm. where you're going to be. Very true. Be. Go ahead, Kitty. Well, that's why the company we keep meets at 530 in the morning and does maybe the hardest thing they'll do all day, you know, for those 45 minutes to an hour. And it, it inherently <laughs> comes with, uh, just levels of trust, right? I, I don't need yeah. to hear from you throughout a single beatdown to see you in action, to see the medal of the man, to know that I can trust him. I don't need to hear from you for a hot second during a grow rook experience. And I can tell you every single man in that platoon that I inherently trust based on their actions. Um, and so w- we've got to continue to, I think, in our ranks, for you men listening across the country, continue to lean into that. Right. We have to be the unorganization. We have to be the group of men that comes together with a shared mission and goal. And we have to be the ones who maybe in the first time ever finally follows through with everything we say we're going to do, because all these men have seen every step of the way our organizations bullfrog and grow too big and and lose that trust. Every single politician on the planet, maybe absent of five of them in the history of the world. (laughs) And I wouldn't even want to try and make that list. right? (laughs) And so it's just, we live in sort of a constant state of, of that uh, say to do ratio being way out of whack. And so I think as guys specifically in F3, we've got to continue to challenge each other to keep that ratio, you know, where it's got to be inside the margins because the rest of society is probably going to, is going to do. And if we feel like in your region, Oh man, I feel like, you know, we're making decisions too much without the men. We're doing these things. They're going to lose trust in us. Yeah, they will. And it'll be kind of like just everything else. So that's the challenge, right? That's our leadership challenge is to, is to, is to feel that and embrace it. No, no, I agree. Yeah. And going back to the point GMO made, um, I think 
you see people, you see men all the time who, you know, accumulate power or whatever, and even trust and who aren't surrounding themselves with other strong men who, you know, fall from that and they fall really hard and it takes a lot of people with them. And, and I think again, the meeting in the morning in the gloom and um, seeing guys uh, in their actions, speaking a lot of the words is, is extremely important. And then uh, really seeing guys be entrusted with leadership through queuing uh, workouts or through, you know, being a site queue and, and seeing those guys grow into trusted leaders is really cool to see. And then finally, just having a shield lock is where kind of it all happens, right? Is being a part of a smaller group of men who know you even more intimately, who can hold you accountable and, and call you on your crap because we all have that inner bitch voice or the crap where we're telling ourselves lies and we need other guys. Uh, you might have to edit that out. Um, it, it, you know, we need other guys around us to, to point the finger and say, Hey man, you got to clean that up. And I, and I do think, um, in our marriages too, you know, we need to really be thinking about our M's. I mean, they're entrusting a whole heck of a lot to us as men and our kids. And I think we take that for granted sometimes. And we give away a lot of our best to our jobs, to F3 even, and to other endeavors in our lives. And uh, we're, we're leaving uh, a lot, I think, to be desired. And I can speak for myself with my M and that I could be doing so much more to just help maintain and grow that trust. Uh, And it's more than just being there and showing up every day and sort of being reliable, but it's more than that. You know, it's planning and and meeting their needs and being living in an understanding way with them. Hmm. So I'll leave it at that. Yeah. So the idea of trust, we like to look at it kind of small and I'll kind of how we, you know, one man trusting us or a wife trusting us, but it, it permeates out. And what I mean by that is when you work in large and maybe even not even large organizations, but even medium organizations, if people can't trust you and take you at your word and what you said, what happens is they don't they don't listen to you. And if you are the leader, so let's say you're you're leading a, a part of an organization within a larger organization and you send up a report or you just say, you be, hey, I need resources to accomplish the mission and people don't trust you, you won't get the resources. So it becomes an aspect that in order to be an effective leader, you have to be trusted by people outside of that. Because if you get a reputation for, oh, he's just blowing the problem out of the water, you can't really trust what he's saying. We don't really, he's just not really, you know, telling the facts in a truthful way. People are going to start blowing you off. It's really a an adult version of the boy who cried wolf. I mean, really, is what it is. And that's it's why the, you, it's the boy who cried virtue, right? Yeah. I mean, if you if people can't trust you, then your effectiveness as a leader goes down and you will not be able to to lead, you know, one will trust you to lead large organizations um, or at church or anywhere, or even, you know, eventually your family. Yeah, no, hundred percent. It's funny. I, um, I, I wish that I could remember, I cannot remember exactly what it was 
that got my brain uh, on this this morning. But oftentimes, if we're running more than about 800 meters or so uh, at a time, and I know it, uh, I know I've got a good solid, you know, seven, eight minutes there to, <laughs> to sort of let, I, I'd rather think about anything else uh, than running. Uh, and so we're running this morning and, uh, you know, one of the cue called, okay, one mile run, go, you know, and uh, so I'm, I'm jogging around the track. And for some reason, this popped into my head uh, that I used to believe the first, well, I'll tell you, I'll say it this way. The first time I heard this, I was like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Uh, and the, the, the phrase, and I can't remember who said it, but the phrase was to be trusted is a better thing than to be loved. To be trusted is a better thing than to be loved. And at first I was like, that's stupid. I, I, I want love. I want to be loved. Of course I want to be loved. Why would, what, why would I not want to be loved first? But I thought about it. And part of it is because loving is easy to a large degree. If you have the heart, your heart in the right place, I can love a man that I disagree with. I can love a man that I would not spend 10 minutes with. I can still love him but I would not trust him to accomplish a mission. I would not trust him with certain tasks. I would not trust him emotionally to be, handle, be able to handle certain things. You know, I can't share and be, uh, be open and honest and candid with that man uh, if he is not trustworthy, but I can still love him. Uh, and so to be trusted is a better thing uh, than to be loved. Bonnie, you have something to, to add to that, and then I'll, I'll kind of wrap us up here, but go ahead. Yeah, the, the one thing there I had a a conversation one time about maybe you are trusting that guy, but you're trusting him to tell your story all over the place. Are you telling you're trusting him to be late? <laughs> and I went back and forth. I was like, yeah, maybe that's not it. Maybe I'm trusting him to be a bad guy rather than a good guy. So, but for me, it's the whole idea of, of trust is also, there's some virtue to it as well. When we think about trust, that's key, I think is sure. Well, yeah. Yeah. Whether or not you can, uh, whether you can count on a man to do a thing or predict that a man will do a thing is, is maybe, maybe there's a line to be drawn there somewhere about, you know, whether that's trust or that that's just, you know, counting on him to be able to, to do the thing or not. I don't know. Um, Virtue matters though. Right. Yeah, no, exactly. I, just, I think you're right. I think you're right. Cause yeah, counting on him to do a thing is not the same as, as trust is it? And, and it's because there's no virtue in counting on them. Like being able to predict the fact that a politician is going to lie doesn't, doesn't help me. You know, <laughs> will the sun come up tomorrow? Oh yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. Right. It's about a one-to-one -one ratio on that. Do uh, you, do you have something? Yeah. I, I put, just put in the chat. What I've heard a lot on some uh, marriage podcasts is men need respect more than we need love. Mm. You know, when they're working through the dynamics of that relationship, the woman needs to feel more loved and the man needs to feel more respected. Certainly that can play back into, you know, the root sin of pride and men needing to be in charge of a lot and responsible for a lot. I think they got everything figured out and want to want their words to mean something. But I think a lot of what we're talking about here is that trust, right. And that love and that benevolence and uh, yeah. the hope that you have in that, that person being able to lead you to a good place. Yeah, no, hundred percent. So, you know, to kind of bring it around to where we started, at least to some degree, right. Uh, Beans had kind of posited about this whole, you know, this whole crypto thing. Uh, and then I remember that I saw uh, an article, I don't remember over the weekend, probably, or maybe it was end of last week of that, that gal, what was her name? Holmes or something like that, that started the fake company became a billionaire and then is now going to prison for 11 years. Um, and, uh, and, and Kitty really, really pointed it, uh, pointed it up. And, and I was grateful that he said it cause it's, it's on my heart a lot lately. And I'm, so I was grateful that he said it, but, um, that, that part of our problem, uh, and part of the problem we see even in our, in our regions 
you know, is that literally every freaking other institution in the world so far uh, has managed to fail us in some way. Now, is F3 perfect? And is it going to not fail you ever? No, no, that's, I mean, it would be silly. It's still run by men. Uh, and so we're still going to fail and we're still going to make bad calls and we're going to do stuff the wrong way. I have six men here looking me in my face that have been chosen specifically, not just for their talent and ability to lead, not just for their talent and ability uh, you know, to, to be very organized and operational or, or their tech uh, you know, abilities or, or their deep thoughtfulness or any of that kind of stuff. Sure as hell isn't because they're handsome. Um, so the reason that they have been chosen is because they bring the opposite things. They bring attention in some way or other. Um, and, and I, without getting too deep on it, you know, uh, Kitty, I think if I'm looking, let's see, I just look here. We'll make sure I'm, yeah. Kitty's the first guy I think I ever quote unquote hired, uh, that's on this team right now. He was, he was one of the OGs, right. And yep. Kitty, Kitty and I are a lot alike. And so part of the reason I picked Kitty, you know, <laughs> a, cause he was super talented at what he was doing. But also I was like, I like the way this guy thinks. Well, of course you do. You <laughs> think a lot alike. Right. And, and, uh, and that's been really, really good because, you know, you don't want everybody against you all the time because it's tough to make sure you're, you're actually thinking uh, without, uh, you know, uh, outside about your, your butthole, right? You want to make sure you're on the right path. But then also there's, there's so many guys with, with uh, you know, Beans brings this, just this, this calm and, and thoughtful centeredness, you know, uh, GMO, I, I don't know how uh, a guy could have a bigger heart, you know, um, than, uh, than you do for the men and the things that you want to see accomplished there. I mean, the, the talents that you have around that um, are, are remarkable. I mean, Gobbler is, is an absolute, I mean, he's a, in terms of interpersonal relationships, he's a mess, but his operational, no, I'm just kidding. He's a, <laughs> I'm glad he's laughing. <laughs> That's good. No, but I mean, but, but part of what he's here for, you know, is he, he is, he's operationally a genius. I mean, the guy just really, he gets organizations. He knows how to structure these things. And he's taught me a ton and helped me a bunch. Um, you know, Bada Bing isn't here for his tech prowess, although that's really, that's an important piece of it. Right. Um, but the, the thing that he's here for, at least in part is because he knows how to build a team and he knows how to, to, to be a chief of staff, uh, of that kind of a thing. Right. So he's, he's assembling men to accomplish a mission, you know, and in this case, it happens to be a technology mission, but that's part of it. You know, Bono is here because Bono looks at the world in a completely different way than I do. I find it infuriating so much of the time. And I'm grateful uh, that it's there so much of the time, because if it wasn't there, then I wouldn't think of those things. I, I just wouldn't, you know, and, and he's an educator. And so he, he oftentimes looks at things and I'm like, bah, we'll just tell him. And he's like, mm, just telling them ain't going to get it in their heart, man. Like you got to do it a little different. I'm like, ah, just telling them we'll be fine. You know, but it's, 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 he's right. I'm not right. You know? And so we have to have this, this tension and that's part of this tension in leadership, this, the way that we structure this, you know, we're going through some big, massive organizational changes at, at, at my, my new mammon, uh, you know, talk about throwing in the deep end, man. They're like, here, handle all the comms and all the culture. Oh, by the way, two of your C-suite members are going to be departing in the first month. And like, oh, good. That sounds great. Um, but uh, the, you know, in, in witnessing that you, you see how organizations build themselves and usually it's like-minded guys or gals, you know, sitting around and, and figuring out what's going to be most advantageous for them and for their group and, or for their shareholders or for, you know, whatever. A lot of times it's not thought about, well, what about the public we serve? 
Or what about the people who work here? Now, I'm grateful that, you know, our, my mammon in particular is trying really hard. And that's part of the culture I'm trying to bring, right? But part of what makes us as F3 men, the anti-organization, and this is what, what Kitty said, and this is why I was glad he brought it up, because as the anti-organization, we don't have to worry as much. Will we screw it up? Sure. Are there times when it goes off the rails a little bit? Absolutely. But it's a whole lot tougher to get seven men off the rails than it is one, right? And I think that, you know, you're not going to have to worry about somebody embezzling a bunch of money. I mean, hell, we can barely get reimbursed for, you know, parking at the airport sometimes because it's so, you know, we've, we've made it, you know, such a process because, because we don't want anyone to go off the rails, right? And so th- this constant uh, pressure and tension of, of the competing values that we have is, is part of what makes us great. It's part of what makes us the anti-organization. We, I can tell you this, man, we may not get it right all the time. But I don't know seven men, really, even beyond, beyond that, the board, uh, all of our leadership, you know, at the, at the national level. And, and, and I would say every Nantan I've ever met, uh, and I haven't met them all, but every Nantan I've ever met, you would, you would have a tough time finding guys more dedicated to the idea that virtue comes first and that mission comes first and that self comes last. I'll tell you what, man, when you're, when you're looking down the throat of all those things, all those competing values, all those difficulties, all that challenge, it's difficult. It is hard. It is, it is intimidating and it's scary and it's stressful and all those things. Uh, but uh, you know something? If it was easy, we, we probably wouldn't need leaders, would we, man? Hi. Hi. Uh, Thanks for listening to the 43 Feet Podcast. If you like what you heard on the show, or if it's helped you in some way, we'd ask you to rate us, write a review, and share us with your friends and networks. It really does help others to find us. If you have questions, comments, or concerns, write us at questions at 43feetpodcast.com or tweet us at 43feetpodcast. The climb we're on to create virtuous leaders isn't going to be easy, but we'll get there 43 feet at a time.